I wanna welcome the, the fellas at RCM. You are glad you're in on this. We as a church, if you're brand new and this is your first time taking a swing, listen, we're talking about prayer. So here's what I know about you and I, and we're all, because we're the same, is you and I mostly feel inadequate when it comes to conversations with God. We wonder, did he really hear? Did I say the right thing? Did he like what I said? Is he mad at me? Have I been good enough to have a conversation with God? Am I saying it in a poetic enough way? Or, or, and we get all crazy when it comes to prayer. It's why I like, I, I like to joke, if I asked everyone to come up here and pray out loud, everyone would go the opposite direction. And you would run like crazy. Because most people are like, pray out loud? Uh-uh. Where's the pastor? The pastor prays out loud. The other people don't. And, and we, we get weird with prayer. And so what we've been doing is unfolding what prayer is and, and, and how to pray. And, and so if you've missed any part of the series, you can go online. You can go through the app, and you can access them on video or, or audio. Listen to them. By the way, last week, Pastor Todd, in, in pastor slang, he killed it. That's, that means good. It's good. Just... Absolutely awesome, and he, and he tied us to the beginning of the Lord's Prayer where it talks about, like, hey, God, your will. Not, not my will, your will. If you don't know the context of the Lord's Prayer, by the way, here's how it goes. There was students, disciples of Jesus. Jesus was uh, teaching them and talking to them, and they, and they said just what you and I do, which is, this helps you and I. They felt inadequate, just like you and I do, and they said, Jesus, how do we How do we pray? And I love Jesus. He didn't say, like, you don't already know that? Like, I can't believe this. No, he says, well, here, okay, you don't know how to pray. You don't know what to say. Here, here's, here's how you can start. Here's how you can pray. And begin to unfold to them a prayer that now has been passed down and passed down and passed down. The problem is we've over-ritualized it to where we think, is that the only thing I can say to God? Does it have to be that beautiful and articulate? Do I have to say thy instead of you? Like, how, how do I say this to God? How do I talk to God? And, and we get confused. So last week, opening up this idea that there's a prayer and there's things that you can share with God straight from your heart, and Jesus gave us a model. So for those of you who think, um, this, you, you need to hear this, if you think the only thing that you can say to God is the Lord's prayer, you're missing out on some great conversations with God. His intention was to give you and I a direction. So like we talked about last weekend, the first part of the prayer, hey, God, your will, it's surrender. It's saying, hey, you're in control, I'm not. But then the prayer continues, and that's what I want to jump right into. It, it, the prayer turns, and we start praying specifics. Here, here's the next part. Give us today our daily bread. Now, I don't know if it's gluten-free bread. I don't know if it's wheat bread. I, don't, I have no idea. Don't ask me, I don't know. But the daily bread. Jesus says, do you want to know how to pray? Okay. Okay, here's how you pray. Acknowledge that God is in control and then press in to your daily needs. And he says, ask him for your daily bread. Now, most of us are like, daily bread, like, that's no big deal. Right now, most of us are not concerned or freaking out or going, I haven't eaten today. I don't know how I'm going to eat. I don't know where to go. I have no idea how to get a meal. The vast majority, probably 99.9% .9 of us, know exactly where our next meal is, is going to come, and you're not worried or concerned about it. So when we read a prayer like, okay, like I'm supposed to pray to God, um, I, I, God, I, I need my daily bread, I need you to provide it. Meanwhile, in the back part of your head going, but I, I actually know where it's coming from. I, but you pray it out of ritual, right? And we don't understand this. 
In fact, I've had conversations with folks who refuse to pray this prayer. Like, I'm not going to ask God for my daily bread. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change what Jesus suggested. I'm going to change what Jesus suggested and just thank him for my daily bread. No, 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 that was not the intentions. He said, you need to lean on me, depend on me for your daily bread. So, so here's, here's the context. See, that word daily bread, and we're gonna, I'm going to nerd you out for a while, so enjoy. So that daily bread part was not originally written in English. And in the original writing, what the issue was is that wording, that there's a specific Greek word used for that daily part. They couldn't find it in other literature. They only found that word written in the Bible literature. And so for years, people who were like translating the Bible into English, they were guessing. Like, well, in the context, and this looks like it should be, yeah, it's, it's daily. And they were guessing until our friends called archaeologists who dig for a living, doesn't that sound like fun, were digging, and they discovered, and some of you are not going to believe what I'm going to tell you, so you need to go on Google because you trust Google more, but go on Google and search this. They found... They dug up this piece of papyri, and on that piece of papyri was a grocery list. See, some of you are like, I thought I invented it. No, you didn't invent that. It's been going on a long time. And on this grocery list literally were items of food that a person had written down and was going to go get at the market. Now, here's what's interesting. The word daily in the prayer that Greek word that they have not been able to find outside the Bible, they discovered on this list. And when there was a perishable item listed, let's just put carrots. <laughs> on side of it, put enough for today. When there was bread, enough for today. So you got to understand the context, the culture. When Jesus says, I want you to pray and ask God for enough for today, they resonated with that because that's what life was. You woke up and you did not have a fridge in your kitchen and in your, in your garage and a freezer and a pantry and a hole in the ground where you've been hoarding food because the apocalypse is coming. And you're going, oh, I, don't, I don't need daily bread. I'm good for 50 years. Like, no, no, they, they, they would have caught like, oh, yeah, yeah. So our daily sustenance, our daily food, we're supposed to rely on God. Now. I'm about to say something that might cause you to have this as going to be your last day here ever, forever. So just before you leave, I love you. Some of us are like, I don't get this praying to God for my daily bread. I got my daily bread. I've got plenty. Perhaps God has given you an abundance so that you will give it to those who don't. Some of us, we're not being good stewards. We're being hoarders. And if you, like, is he, yeah, yeah, yeah. God blesses us. And you've got people around you. I don't think it'd be too difficult if you decided, you know what? We're going to give up a portion of our grocery budget and we're going to find people who need it. I don't think it'd take you too long to find someone. And oftentimes, God blesses us so that we can bless others. We'll move on, don't worry. Here we go. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Basically, forgive us as we've forgiven others. So you're watching this trend in the prayer. God, God, we're supposed to say, God, you're in control. I, I, give you, I give you complete control, not my will, your will. And then we turn over to this, give them, give them burdens. Oh, we need food, you need to provide food. But now deeper, 
forgiveness, we need forgiveness. So if you can see the trend in the prayer is like give your burdens to God. It, it continues. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For those of you who feel like you're being attacked from all sides, you feel like the devil is literally out to get you, target on you. He has you as his number one agenda. And you're like, I need help here. You and I are supposed to take that burden and say, God, I need help. I need deliverance from evil. So let me just press in a little bit on you. How often do you talk to God about your burden? Or do you just assume that he's watching and he's got it and no conversation is needed? You and I have burdens. In fact, I'll tell you this right now. I'm going to tell this about you and you may disagree, but I don't care. I'm right. Listen. Every one of us listening, every single one of us, 100%, every one of us is carrying burdens that we're not supposed to carry. Let me help you understand. Anytime you're... You have worry consuming you, anxiety consuming you, and you get a bit nervous, and you're like, I don't know what to do and how to do it. You begin to have this world kind of implode in on you, and that's where you're starting to carry some sort of a burden. You and I walk around, live life with burdens we're not supposed to carry. Let, let me give you an illustration. In, in 2012, HBO did a documentary on an artist. Uh, it was in New York City, so let me forewarn you, if you've ever been to New York City, it's weird. It's really weird, okay? Now, to escalate the weirdness, there's a museum of modern art in New York City. If you want to know the definition of modern art, it's called weird. If you want to take something that's normal and right and just make it weird and shock people, that's what we call modern art nowadays. I'm just helping you. We used to paint paintings and put them on the wall and people go, look, not anymore. We are like, what's the weirdest thing you think of? Art, good, let's do it. So the, the Museum of Modern Art in New York City, there was an artist who's going to do an exhibit. Here is her exhibit. She set up one chair, a table, and a chair. This week, I'm going to be at the mall, at the food court, and I'm going to charge admittance for anybody to come. I'm going to be at a table. And I call it modern art. So this woman sets up this exhibit. 850,000 people came to see this woman sit in a chair across from an empty chair, and we said, modern art. Now, now watch this, watch this. This woman sat there, it was a three-month exhibit. Now, she was in New York City, and they did not intend and expect for New Yorkers who are not typically known for people to show their emotions and get hyper-involved and things like this. So she's sitting there. Now, they left the seat open, and if, if anybody wanted to sit in the seat, they could. That was a part of the artistic thing. Now, there were rules. Oh, you couldn't just go sit in a seat and, and start talking to her because she's not going to talk back. You couldn't talk. You also couldn't make faces. That's exactly what I would have done. I would have taken it on as a game. I'm going to make you laugh. Let's go. And, and, and that's what we would have done, right? But no, you couldn't make faces. You couldn't talk. And you had to look her in the eyes the whole time that you sat there. And listen, you got to choose how long you sat there. Now, the artist's anticipation was that really no one would take them up on this. No one would sit there, or at least it wouldn't be very frequent. But what happened is one after another, after another, after another came and sat in the seat. Now you're like, okay, that's cool. It's, you know, photo moment, right? <laughs> you sit there and somebody takes a picture of you. You're like, hey, I was a part of modern art in New York City. This is cool. But what happened, no one predicted. One after another, someone would sit in that seat. They would look across from this woman with a red dress on. No words would be spoken. Within two to five minutes, 
that person who sat down would be weeping. No words spoken. No music playing. No one coaching anyone, this and that. Literally, the person would break down emotionally. Some of the people that participated, one guy, 32-year-old New Yorker said, <clears throat> asking why he broke down. We insulate ourselves in America. Everyone goes around with headphones. You could be near all these people and still be in your head by yourself. <clears throat> now, the artist had a comment, and this, I thought this was interesting. I gazed into the eyes of many people who were carrying so much pain inside that I could immediately see and feel it. I became a mirror for them of their own emotions. Now watch this. One big hell's angel guy, all tatted up, stared at me fiercely. That's where you're like, all right, exhibit over, done, everyone go home, I'm scared. <laughs> he stared at me fiercely, but after 10 minutes, collapsed into tears and weeping like a baby. No word spoken. No manipulation. But if you've ever looked at somebody in the eyes for an extended amount of time, you feel vulnerable. And what I would contend is this, is it's just a simple illustration that helps you and I understand that we carry burdens and we're not supposed to carry burdens very strong truth that you need to own. You are not designed to carry burdens. Even the Bible will tell you in Galatians chapter 6 in the New Testament that you and I are supposed to help other people carry burdens. What that indicates is they can't carry it on their own. The burdens that you're facing, whatever anxiety is, is infiltrating into your life and you're going, what's going on? You and I are not supposed to carry burdens. So where do you find comfort? Well, I'm about to help you. I'm going to tell you something really encouraging. You ready? You, me, we're sheep. Thanks for coming today. You're sheep. If you don't know, the Bible calls you and I sheep all the time. And if you're super really open, if you're willing to have a really genuine conversation, you've read that we're called sheep, and you're like, I'm not sure why, but let's keep reading. Sheep. I'll prove it to you. Psalm 103. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Okay. Jeremiah 56. My people, my people have been lost sheep. Gee, thank you. Matthew 9.36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Sheep, you're sheep, I'm sheep. Don't you feel better already? I don't. I read that I'm sheep and I'm like, well, the, what I know about sheep is they're not very smart. What I want to be, I want to be a bear. I want the Bible, I want to rewrite the Bible. I want the Bible to say you are more than a conqueror. You are a beast of a bear. You're like a strong bear. Some of you know, you don't like bears. You want to be a horse. Okay, whatever. You notice the Bible doesn't call you a horse or a bear. It calls you a sheep, and it does so in the Old Testament, the New Testament. You can't argue that you and I are sheep. Now, 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 now let me help you. Help me. It doesn't just call us sheep. There's a person in the Bible that gets called a cat. Yep. Do you remember 
when Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. That's Greek for cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of you are literalists. This is your first day. You're like, no, it doesn't. That's, I know it doesn't. I'm joking. I'm, I'm somewhat joking for the most part. No, the Bible calls you and I sheep. And, and if you really read that, you're like, okay, I'm a sheep. I'm a, I'm a sheep. Okay, sheep. Sheep are not good at taking care of themselves. Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd go hurt themselves, run off. It gets bad. They have animals come get them. Sheep have to have shepherds. They can't just be left alone. And I've read that before. I'm like, okay, okay. So I'm, uh, but what I learned about sheep, very simple. Sometimes we just look past this. Sheep are not burden-carrying animals. You're never going to watch a Western movie where the cowboy's like, load up the sheep, we're heading out. Right? If you are, you're watching a, a weird Western movie where they're loading up sheep. But, but if you know sheep enough, you know we don't typically say, hey, let's put a lot of weight on the sheep. And this can be encouraging. This is why I tell you this is encouraging. You and I get called sheep over and over and over again. And if you want to find value in what the Bible says, you've got to understand the context. And I don't think it was misspoken. You and I are not designed to carry our burdens. So stop it. And I know it's like, well, easy for you to say. No, not easy for me to say. I'm just like you. And just about weekly, I'm trying to pick up burdens that I'm not supposed to carry. I have an incredible wife. But there's days that I try to carry. She'll come home and not have had the greatest days. And she'll tell me about her day and, and how, how she wants things to change, this or that. And, and I start carrying her burden. I take her burden. Be like, okay, you're going to carry that? I'll carry that too. Let me get real personal. I'm a dad of three kids. I would say almost on a daily basis, I try to carry some of their burdens. I mean, uh, my son will occasionally go visit the principal just to say hi. (laughs) Just so you know, I'm not outing him. Uh, I was at the principal's office much more than he ever was. And and I got to tell you, when, when my son or my daughter does something at school they're not supposed to, you want honest? I take on some of that burden. I start to carry that. In fact, some of my worst days are, are when I've taken on some of the decisions and the choices of my kids or the pains that they're facing or, or the decisions that they're making, all those kinds. I'll begin to take it on. And as a parent, I'm often consumed with my day, not with what God wants me to be consumed with. I'm just picking everybody's burdens up. I'm just more vulnerable with it. As pastor of this church, I'll have a conversation with a widow who has lost their spouse. And I'll say, okay, I'll, t- I'll take some of your burden. And I'll talk with someone who just lost their job, and I'll take some of that burden. I don't talk to God about it. I just take it. I want them to feel better. And I begin to walk around life with all of these burdens on my back. I think you do the same thing. I think you do the same thing. I don't know what it's for you. Sometimes you go to work and you feel this burden. If you own your own business, you got these burdens. If you got a decision and you don't know what to, the answer is, you don't know really what to conclude on and walk in on, and you have this burden, and, and most of us don't bring them to God. But we carry the burdens. You know how real this is to me? 
at 2 a.m. this morning, I'm in the emergency room with my two-year-old little Titus. And I'm in the midst of two days of preaching a sermon on burdens. He's struggling, breathing. It's got to the level we've got to get him to the ER. And I start to take on his burden. I don't have a conversation with God. I take control. Let's do this. Let's go. We got in the vehicle. We had a friend come over, take care of the kids. We're on there. And I'm sitting in the emergency room. And they make you wait because that's what they do. It's just you wait and you wait and you wait. And they're great. And, and you wait and you wait and you wait. And Katie looks over at me. She's like, hey, you got a great illustration for tomorrow. She just didn't know I hadn't talked to God yet about it. So I reach over and put my hand on his head, and I prayed for him. And part of the prayer was, God, take his burden. This is real, church. You take on burdens you're not supposed to take on, but so do I. So what does this have to do with prayer? Prayer is the delivery vehicle for your burdens. Prayer is where you take what's going on, the answers you don't have, the solutions you don't have, the understanding you don't have, and you take that burden that is consuming, the situation you are not in control of, and you take that, and you, as a delivery vehicle, you say, God, here. Because that's what he said to do in his prayer. Daily bread, forgiveness, deliverance. He wanted you and I to own. You got burdens, bring them to me. But you and I, for a while, don't we carry them way too long until it breaks our back. And then we cry out to God, God, I can't do anything. What are you doing with your burdens? You've been carrying them. You got decisions that need to be made and you don't know what to do. Give them to God. Start turning your burdens over to God. Now, some of you... Man, you're smart. You're like, David, I get this, okay. So if the doctor ever tells me I get cancer, I'll, tell, I'll, I'll speak that to God. I'll talk to God about the cancer, the big C. I'll, I'll tell him about that. And if someone's on their deathbed or this, I'll, I'll bring up that to God. I, and that's why most of our prayers, if you, if you think about this, a lot of our prayers are health related. Because that's, that's when we feel out of control. But when all of a sudden your kid has a relationship that they don't know how to manage, you're like, well, I can do this. We don't, we don't need God. You see, you and I have got to rely on God for everything down to the basics of our daily bread. But some of us are like, I can't go to God. That's whining, David. I'm from South Dakota. We don't whine. I mean, South Dakotas are known. I mean, there, if you don't know your history, there were some people on the east side of the nation who wanted to get some money and, and raise up families and supply for the families. So they went to the west side to get gold and other things. And we, we as South Dakotas are proud people, independent people. The problem with that is, is you are never designed to be independent of God. And so listen, you got some whining to do? Go to God. I, let, me, let me help you. There is a ton of whining in the Bible. So for your listening enjoyment, let me read to you some whining. For, so for those of you who think, I can't whine to God. I can't tell God that's small. I can't. No, no, listen. This is King David. By the way, you're like, King David, King David. Who's King David? King David used to be little kid David who put a rock in a slingshot, flung it, and killed the 
the giant. Like, he's a stud, okay? He killed bears. I want to be, it's fun. Okay, here we go. Psalm 13. How long, Lord? Stop. That's like our prayer all the time. Like, God, how long are you going to take? That sounds whining to me. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? i got to read this with a whiny voice, so just enjoy. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day of sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? That's whining. Psalm 42. My tears have been my food day and night. Shut up. That's what some of us South Dakotans are saying. Like, cowboy up, come on. Right? Like, stop. You can whine to God. If you think there are things that you cannot speak to God, you don't know God. And you've become too South Dakotan. Are you so independent that you pick and choose what you talk to God about? If so, you're missing out on the power of God. You can whine. There's more whining just for your enjoyment. Psalm 42, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Whine, whine, whine. There's a book in the Bible called Lamentations. And a lot of times, Lamentations, long word, don't understand it. Lamenting. Depression. If you, by the way, if you're like waking up in the morning, I just want to start somewhere new in my Bible, pastor, where I'm never going to tell you Lamentations. It's so sad. Like, so sad. Lamentations chapter 3. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. Yay. I will never forget this awful time. Because I grieve over my loss. You want to be sad? Read Lamentations. You want to identify with somebody being sad? Read Lamentations. So you got stuff to whine about. You got stuff that you want to talk to God about that's real. It's raw. God, this is going on. I don't like that this is going on. This hurts me. Speak that to God. But you don't have to stay there. Listen, in Lamentations, there's a portion in the middle of the book. There's a shift where you and I don't just whine, whine, whine. Watch this. Lamentations 3. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. Cliffhanger, commercial break, right? But watch what it says. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. For those of you who think you you used up God's mercy, started over new today. Some of you need to hear that. You're like, oh no, he's pretty much forgiven me for this Over and over and over again, his mercies begin new every day. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Now, now if you you stop reading there, you think, oh, okay, I know what to do with my burdens, my pains, my problems. I get optimistic. That's what Pastor David is saying. No, I'm not telling you to get optimistic. I think you should get realistic. And that's why you should read the next verse. The Lord is good to those who what? Depend on him. 
Give him burdens. Depend on him for daily bread, for forgiveness, for deliverance. You and I are designed to be dependent of God. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. Prayer is literally this act of dependence on God. Is this vehicle that you take your burdens to God. And so many of us think in this American way, like, oh, I could talk to God about the serious stuff, but I can't really tell him how I'm feeling, or I can't tell him about the small stuff. No, prayer is this, go to God and talk. Let it be raw, let it be real. If you don't have an answer, but you got questions, ask the question. If you've done something you shouldn't have done, confess that to him and ask his forgiveness. If you don't know where your next meal is coming from, Ask him for it. And frankly, I think every one of us should be asking and depending on God like a child depends on parents. Where are you at on that? Better question. How long are you going to try to carry your burden? Is it going to have to fall apart? Is life going to have to collapse? Does everything have to buckle underneath you for you to say, okay, okay, now I, I, I admit it. I admit it. I, I need God. What about before that? How about just handing off the burdens? That sounds less painful. So I got to give you a painful story. Uh, there's a book written called Invisible Men. Uh, there's a gentleman named Patrick that is mentioned in the book. Patrick owned his own business, was married, had his own house. Things from the outside look, wow, that sounds awesome. Most of us interpret people who own businesses like, oh, you must be doing really well financially. You own your own business. Oh, oh, you're married? Must be happy. Oh, you got your own house, cars? This looks great. However, the story of Patrick and why he's in this book is Patrick tried to kill himself. And my guess is a good portion of us have had this experience where you know a Patrick. You know someone who from the outside looked like everything was okay. But then that person tried to or did in their life. Carrying burdens that you didn't know about. So Patrick is in this book. Dr. Michael Addis tells the story of Patrick. See, what happened to Patrick was he owned his own business, but, but business wasn't very good. No one knew it. He missed a mortgage payment. And internally, he, be, he didn't have pass off this burden. He didn't talk to anybody about it. Just kept it. And then he missed another mortgage payment. And then he felt like a failure over and over and over and over again to the point that he thought, well, the best thing I can do is just end my life. And he tried. So, thankfully, he was not successful and he found himself in front of a psychologist unfolding the whys. Watch this. But it was Patrick's response to these events that really struck me, said the psychiatrist. Rather than letting his wife and close friends know about the struggles he was facing, Patrick kept it all to himself. Pause this for a second. That's what burdens do to you. They become toxic. And most of us right now have burdens we've been keeping to ourselves. No, we're not telling other people and we definitely haven't talked to God because we don't think it's big enough or bad enough yet. Yet that's what prayer is for. The story continues and it unfolds. He says, how could I face them? What would they think of me? In their eyes, I look like a has-been, somebody who's, whose time had come and gone only because he couldn't handle it. 
I should have been able to handle it. Besides, that's not what I'm talking about. I should have been able to handle it emotionally. Instead, I fell apart and turned into a little boy. What was I going to say? Oh, mommy, please help me. I couldn't let people see me like that. I don't know what the exact percentage would be, but I think it'd be high. If I asked how many of you have said something like, I can't let people see me like this. See, we're a society that thinks burdens must stay hidden. And we must carry our own. However, God said, don't you dare carry your own burdens. And he gave us this prayer. If you want the Lord's prayer summed up, it's summed up this way. God, you're in control. I need you. That's it. That's what he wanted to get across to you and I is that God is in control. His will is better than your will and my will. What he knows is right is actually right. What we think is right is a good guess. And we need him. We need him for forgiveness, for deliverance, for our daily sustenance. We need God. And it's time, church, that you and I stop trying to be so independent of God and going to Him occasionally like a vending machine saying, okay, now I need you and now I want you. Every day, all the time, God, I need you. I need you to supply. I need you to heal. I need you to deliver. I need you to forgive. How long are you going to try to carry your 